I suppose it's uh, some 25 years or so, I would say that the, that the key message of Habakkuk has been very alive with me, very precious, and uh, so often I've drawn from it to, to great help. If I were to speak in plain Irish, <laughs> the bone of it is this. Habakkuk is living at a time when it's really bad. Bad all around him. Things are not going well. In society at large, near and far, it's falling apart, it's crumbling. There's such manifestations of evil and injustice. Habakkuk is really burdened. It's bad and it's getting worse. And in the middle of this, he pours his heart out to God. And God responds and gives a message. And the message is, you haven't really seen anything yet much. It's getting an awful lot worse. <laughs> yes, but God, you're on the throne, I, I, I thought. I, I thought you were the God of love. I thought you were a God of justice. I mean, you're not coming through. You're not coming through for your people. You're not coming through for society. You're not coming through for me. I mean, what are you doing? You're silent. And we desperately need things sorted in this world of evil and injustice and profound manifestation of wrong. That's where Habakkuk is. Well, in English, he lived about 600 years before, before Christ. He was contemporary with Jeremiah. There was a good king, Josiah. Oh, there was a bad king. There were God kings and good kings. It's amazing how one person can make such a difference in society. Such a difference in a company, in a business, in a school. One person. Kings and Chronicles shows the difference that one person could make, whether they were a good, honoring God leadership person or they were a bad, turning their back on God kind of person. That permeated society. Following the good king was a bad king, Jehoiakim. Terrible scene is presented in Jeremiah chapter 36 where, where, where this king was told that there, uh, there was a message delivered from God and it was dictated, dictated by Jeremiah and it's a very, very real word from God and you king should know what the word is and he was told what the word is and where he was there was a fire and after he was told it he tore it up and he put it in the fire that's the kind of leadership that existed. Habakkuk lived in a terrible time. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Oh, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Do you ever say, when you think of the international scene, the big scene, 
the Ukraine scene, the floods, the famines, the death, the inequality from Japan to China, from South America to the Caribbean, to Florida, to European soil, to Ukraine, to our country, to things that are very much prominent before us. This is breaking. That's breaking. This is breaking. In the middle of it all, ever more inequality, ever more manifestation of inequality. Some never had it better. Many never knew it to be worse. But the thing is, what does tomorrow hold? And with Habakkuk, he's crying out, How long, O oh Lord? How long can this go on? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? And then in all of our lives, there are things we don't bother talking about. And sometimes for a long time we can just quietly go through just ourselves in the loneliness of ourselves and those lonely moments and we can think, how long? Nobody else knows about this. Nobody else understands the depth of the inner conflict or confusion over this or that. How long? How long? Yes, you're a God of love. You're a God of justice. Yeah, I try to believe that. But how long and why? And why don't you do something about it? Therefore the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So that Habakkuk presents that to God. Habakkuk is not some great prophecy of speaking out to the people. It is a dialogue between God and Habakkuk. And God answers. I'm raising up the Babylonians. That ruthless, impetuous people. What? I mean, it's so bad. And now it's getting worse. You're going to raise up the Babylonians? Babylonians who are an expression, an image of humanity at its worst. Arrogant, ruthless wild, barbaric, terrible people doing terrible things. You're going to raise up those people? That ruthless and impetuous people? Feared and dreaded people? Okay. Thank you for that. So, God appears indifferent, inconsistent, and inactive. Are there things that you have really prayed about, really had a heart for, really interceded about? Re yourself, somebody else, or a circumstance, or a thing, or a nation, or a person, or a circumstance. And you think, God seems indifferent. God seems inconsistent. He did this for this one. He hasn't done it for me. He seems to have come through here and he's not coming through there. I know about this situation and there was great prayer for this situation and miracles seem to happen and nothing comes my way. 
Habakkuk is. So he goes to God the second time. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the church treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So earlier we, we heard, how long? Chapter 1, verse 3. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Chapter 1, verse 13. Why do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up more righteous than themselves? How long? And then four intense cries of why. Do you ever call why? Our rational mind can't get our head around a lot of things in terms of why is this allowed nationally, internationally, governmentally, locally, neighborhood-wise, in church-wise, in my life-wise, whatever. Why? Lord, this is serious. I cry out to you because it's so bad. And now you tell me it's getting far worse and you're going to set the, allow the Babylonians to come and inflict their barbaric ways on your people. What does he do with that? Chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the rampart I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So Habakkuk's at the end of the road. He's come to a very serious moment in his thinking process. I'm just going to stop now. I'm just going to stand on the rampart like the walls of Jerusalem had ramparts and on them was a watchtower and in the watchtower someone would stand and just be ever on the lookout well that's the image I'm, I'm, going, I'm just going to I'm just going to stand I'm not going to talk even to you Lord I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to be silent I'm just going to look out and see what kind of answer I might get it's interesting, this is repeated in scripture, particularly in the Psalms of Lament, particularly saying something like Psalm 73, where, where there is that great cry, why, why, why from the psalmist? Why is it like this? Without there being logical explanation, the psalm finishes, whom have I in heaven but you? There is no one else I desire about you. And the psalmist from a heart cry of despair finishes with a joyful trust. And in between, 
no explanation given. So in Habakkuk, this is where he chooses to stand. Then the Lord speaks. And in what is said, we have a verse in Habakkuk 2 verse 4 that has been kind of central to the Reformation, to the Luther-Calvin bringing to light certain scriptures and truths, and very much taken up in the argument in relation to justification as dealt with by Paul, and and quoted this particular verse in Romans 1.17, in Galatians 3.11, in Hebrews 10, 38, Habakkuk 2, 4, Habakkuk 2, 4, Habakkuk 2, 4. See, he is puffed up. He, the Babylonians. He, the, uh, the image of humanity that is evil, barbaric, and corrupt, and heaps injustice and evil on people. He is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by his faith. And then that's taken up central in the message of Galatians, Hebrews, and Romans to tease out the whole subject of justification and what it means. The righteous will live by his faith. Interesting, the theologian, uh, Tom Wright, applying his knowledge of Greek and Hebrew, Roman history and pre-Christ history uh, to uh, a spirituality and and discernment of things, uh, says, yes, Luther and Calvin and Cole, um, very wonderful how they took this verse and produced enlightenment of understanding Uh, that we've grasped, but nobody grasps everything perfectly. And neither did they, the reformers. And Tom Wright said, this verse actually says, but the righteous will live by his faith. What Habakkuk had done He had called into question who God was, what God was doing, or wasn't doing in the present. And in answer to that calling God into question, this verse, among others, is central to God's answer. Sum it up like this. God's purpose in calling Abraham was to bless the whole world. I'm calling you out, and I'm going to make you the head of a great nation, and through whom all nations of the earth will be blessed. All peoples will be blessed. Habakkuk's interpretation, 
What sense does that make? And people will be blessed. Look where we are. We're in the dirt. We're in the gutter. Unjustice is everywhere. Evil has been heaped upon us. And it's going from bad to worse. The purpose has been accomplished. This great purpose of God. Despite what was going on here 600 years before Christ. And before then. And after then. Despite that. God's covenantal love purpose has been fulfilled. And it has been accomplished. Through the faithfulness of Messiah. Jesus was and is the saviour of the world. The world of people and the world, the cosmos. God's righteousness was and is his faithfulness to the covenant, to Israel and to all creation. At stake here is Habakkuk questioning the faithfulness of God, the ways of God, the covenantal love of God. And what's God about? God is faithful. If I could just take myself away from everything and put myself on the rampart and stop listening to all the multiplicity of confusing voices and somehow, this is the message here, lift my eyes to God, get rid of all that rabble, just lift my eyes and see God and think, who is God really? What's he doing or hasn't done? Then the message is. God in Romans is saying that God is the God of faithful covenantal love. God's saving power is going out into the world and will not rest until creation itself is set free from corruption and decay. In Habakkuk, God's covenantal faithfulness is called into question by the awful events going on around. What is called for is faith and trust. The force of this text then emphasizes Tom Wright's added insight. The force of this text is not my faith, but his faithfulness will ensure that judgment will be rooted in the divine faithfulness to which the only appropriate response is human faith. The just shall live by faith? Yes, yes. But why? Why will we live by faith? Why is that the answer? Because it's rooted in God's faithfulness, his covenantal love, and God has been true to that. Mind you, this is 600 years before Christ died. Now we can look back 2,000 years to when he did die and see, yes, the Savior of the world did die on the cross. He did bear sin. There is forgiveness for all. And God goes on to say after Habakkuk 2, verse 4, because it's God speaking here. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods. Ah, Habakkuk. Woe to. There is a coming day. I won't let things slip. I am the God of faithful judgment. No one will sort of disappear, be let off the hook. I, the God of judge, will come out. Woe to him. 
Verse 9, woe to him that builds his realm by unjust gain. I am an act of God. I am on the throne. And verse 14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The glory of the Lord, wherever it's spoken about, is the manifestation of the nature and character of God. Glory is the manifestation of the nature and character of God. Who I am, Habakkuk, who I am, what I do will be manifest in a way that the whole world will see and know. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Chapter 2 concludes, verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Habakkuk, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I actually was in charge yesterday. I'm in charge today. And I'll be in charge tomorrow. You stand in your ramparts, get all those babbling voices Turn a deafness to all of that. Look up and see who I am. Well, this is who I am. I'm in charge. Oh, there's talk of nuclear this and nuclear that. That's breaking up and that's breaking up. Society's breaking up and we seem to be beyond and there's no more money in this bottomless barrel. And every day there is yet another catastrophe affecting a momentous number of people across Every continent of the world. Where are we? Where are we? We're all in a place where God is in his holy temple. And God is in charge. And he's in control. And it's easy to think that that original promises to Abraham it must have all gone wrong somewhere. It hasn't gone wrong at all. Jesus came, the seed of Abraham, died, the savior of the world. And we look back. 600 years before it happened as far as Habakkuk was concerned. You might say it needed a bit more faith then. And so Habakkuk has a concluding chapter 3 prayer. Unlike Psalm 73 where the psalmist cries out desperately... And then finishes with this wonderful, joyous assurance. With no logic in between explained. So it is in the book of Habakkuk. We don't have some great logical, rational explanation. More, just turn aside from the babble and see me. And in seeing me, see God on the throne in charge. The God of love and justice in charge. So, there's an amazing conclusion to this book. Chapter 3, verse 17. Well, verse 16. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. My legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Still going to happen. Worse things are going to happen. 
It was bad, it was going to get worse, and it's going to get worse still. So, yes, I acknowledge that, says Habakkuk. I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. It's going to get worse. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stock, well, how bad could it get? Yeah. I mean, we live off the fig tree. We live off the vine. And we live off the olive. And we live off the sheep. If you take all that away, what is there left? Death and starvation. But though all that is true, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And apparently the Hebrew on that is, I will rejoice, I will be joyful. I will literally spin around with dancing joy. But this is not looking back when it's all good. This is before the worst is actually yet to come. But he knows now who's in charge. Going to be all right with God in charge. The sovereign, verse 19, Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord, that's the key. In this messy, messy, mixed up world, who is really in control? The sovereign Lord. Will his absolute purposes and promise be fulfilled? Yes. Will he be true to it? Yes. Will the glory of the Lord fill the earth as the waters cover the sea? Yes. Is he really Lord of all? Yes. Can I logically understand what's going on? No. Can I logically figure out what's in my confused mind sometimes why I don't understand it? That's, that's normal. I'm the sovereign Lord. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. It's interesting when you think of driving through somewhere like the Highlands of Scotland and you see the, um, the terrain, the rough terrain, the ravines, the, the mountains, the hills, the, the rocks, and you see a deer. And it, just, it just skips through. As though rocks and ravines and rivers doesn't mean anything. It just skips through. Ah, oh, says Habakkuk. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. I can, in spirit, skip on through life and face this worse tomorrow. Because you, Lord, are in charge. You are sovereign. The just shall live by his faith. Fundamental, says Tom Wright, is to see the focus not being, okay, what's wrong is that you must live by faith. That's not the fundamental point of Habakkuk 2.4. The fundamental point is the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness. See that? That sets the ground 
for trust and faith in our part to go through the tomorrow of life, whatever be the circumstance, with Sovereign Lord.